I feel more official in a blazer. You know what I'm saying? You need to work. You know, I... Can we just get you back to that? You give your best ever yeah. review. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Martin Luther King once said... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> James, my friend had a baby today. Congratulations oh, to my friend. Very, friend. very close friend of mine had a, fr- had a baby. Nice. Uh, but this is a really, really spooky <laughs> Did thing. Did they know they were having it? <laughs> <Yeah>. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. I feel so much more better now. No, my friend has had a baby. Oh, mother doing well, family doing well, nice. ba- baby doing well. When she was pregnant a few months ago, uh, you know, about six months ago, mm. when, you know, when she first broke the news, so, oh my God, congratulations. And then about a week or so later, I was just thinking about, them as a family mm. and in my head i was like yeah yeah so the dad and her and the, and the baby and i and i said the baby's name in my head right i don't the baby doesn't have a name right right, right? but in my head i was i was like was oh and uh, 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 i oliver right, right. and i was she like, didn't know it was called oliver no no it's a it's a baby it's a it, it, it's a this, it's a three-month-old fetus and they didn't just, tell just you the name. It's a, no they, they didn't have a name they didn't okay. know the sex of the baby. That they is were, strange. They were, I, but I said, I was like, this is really weird. I was like, oh, it just came to me. I was just like, oh yeah, so um, so-and-so, so-and-so. And, and, and Oliver, I was like, why did I say Oliver? I was like, I have no one in my life called that name. Yeah. They've never said that name to me. But I was like, isn't that weird? Why did I just say that in my head? And then just for a bit of fun, yeah. I said to myself, I'm, I'm just going to hold on to that. I'm going to hold on to that. I did said you tell to anyone Anna, or did you yeah, just I keep said it? To, I said to Anna, I was like, I think this is going to be the baby's name. I don't know why, but I just had this like moment where I thought it was going to be the baby's name. And I told the mother, the mother-to-be, I said, I'm not going to tell you what it is because I don't want to influence <laughs> this, but I think I know what your baby's going to be down called. On a piece of paper. And she was like, okay, cool, whatever. And you know, as we got closer and closer to the pregnancy, I was like, okay, it might be a boy, but it might not be called Oliver. Or it might be a girl that's called Olivia or something yeah. like that. Anyway, she had the baby. I get a message this morning announcing the birth of the child. I open my message. No and James, the baby's called Oliver. How does that? I, I know. I could not believe. How spooky is, is that? Is there like a parent or a, or a grandparent called Oliver? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. So what's, but like, what's my child going to be called? George. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But so isn't it? The sight comes to I you just, when it comes to you. I just trusted my instinct. I thought, yeah. okay, I had this, this little voice in my head said this child's going to be called Oliver. And, mm. I, and I said, fuck it. I'll just, I'll, let's just assume it is. Because also like, if it isn't, okay, then I'll forget all about it. Yeah. And I would never have talked about that again. But it actually, I, I said, to talking about it now, I can't actually believe that that's the that kid's crazy. name. Yeah. I wonder what else you got like going on in there. You've got about a whole school you're just not really tapping into. Did I, I told you about the time in New York I went to go see a psychic yes. for like 10 bucks yeah. and it was the best $10 I spent in New York considering how expensive it is. But didn't you say you, she, she thought you were American and a lot of her No, she's third American. American. She, made, she made a couple of predictions based on things happening in specific US states. And it's like, well, she doesn't know that I'm British probably. And it's like probably assuming that I something would happen to me. But it, what, what she got me immediately because... She asked to read my palm and she was like, okay, I just want me to clear your mind and then, you know, think of some things that might be on your mind. And the week I went to New York was the week we set up Pulp Kitchen as a limited company, nice. which is like the second business I've ever set up. And literally, obviously like thinking about the show a lot and blah, blah, blah. And she looks at my hand and she goes, oh, I see, I see two businesses, recently two businesses. And I didn't say anything, but in my head I was like, holy <laughs> shit, <laughs> she is bang on. And then she made like 50, like 50 predictions with but. Regardless of whether or not they're true, that $10 was so 
valuable because yeah. it made me think really intensely about my life for like the rest of the day, if not yeah. the week. Yeah. And I was like, that was so entertaining and nourishing to have someone present you with like, I think this is going to happen to you. And it's something you might even not thought of before. And now I'm like, would that happen? Would it? What do I feel about that happening? Florida. Should I get rid of George? Is that what, is that what she's saying? <laughs> <laughs> There's someone bringing you down in your life. Yes. <laughs> Wasn't Florida meant to be a big thing? <laughs> yeah, someone said that uh, something's going to happen to you uh, in in the state of Florida. So again, like I, I was never... worried then when I went to the state of Florida. Yes, I was like, George, what's going to happen to me? I said to George, I was like, look, I'm not saying. I just say something big's going to happen to me. I keep an eye out. Maybe a business opportunity. Maybe a brand. Maybe some sort of like experience that's going to tie us over there. Needless to say, that that didn't happen yet. But I'm on. You know, if I ever go to Florida, I'll be. I'll be looking out. Welcome to Clairvoyance Monthly, where yeah. we we look into the future. I was at an after party that. the other day and someone had tarot cards. Oh yeah. And that was those. really good fun. Yeah, 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 they are good fun. Yeah. Um have you ever done a Ouija board? No. No, me neither. No, I, I feel like they're not very British. No, they aren't, are they? I've never really encountered them in the UK. No, we do what about seance? I feel like that's slightly more British. No, no, I've never done like the the, the penta penta thing on the ground with the candles and mm. is that a seance? That is a seance, yeah. Isn't it? Well, like we all hold hands and yeah. sort of gyrate. No. Hello? Hello, yeah. Is anybody there? Have you? No. No. Uh, I had my palm read. I, wasn't my, I think I had my palm read when I was 14 and I was in Sri Lanka. And? Mostly positive. He also, but then he told me also never to go in the sea. Really? And I have. Yeah. And are you going to think about that for the rest of your the life? The older I get, the more I think about, uh, the more careful I am in the sea. Yeah. And I do love going for a swim. Of course you do. You're a human being. Yeah, why not? But do you ever just go, oh, I could swim out there, but you know what? I'm going to stay where I can stand. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I have done. There's been yeah. a couple of times when I, as I've got older, I'm thinking, you know what? I don't want to... Do you dislike sleep, uh, sleeping? Swimming on open water. Talia really dislikes open water. Oh, well, like, like thalassophobia, is it? You know, uh, the, no, thalassophobia is like the fear of what's lying beneath the sea. Right. But like just open water. So Talia doesn't like it when you get on a boat and you go out, even when you can see the shore, but like just jumping into the open water. Yeah. Oh, well, you can't touch the bottom. Kind yeah. Of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I'm okay with that, I think. Yeah. I, I think it is weird. We did that in Florida a little bit. It is weird at first, but really... It's fine. Yeah, just what don't, I like don't is, let the fear in. Is when, the su- when it's sunny and the sun's rays, yes. like, show how h- high up, inverted commas, you are on a scene. You get this sense of vertigo, your feet dangling. Yeah. I quite like that. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. You can't see the bottom. We, of the so, so, you had to just remind me, when we were in Florida, we were like, well, on the boat, we were looking down the rays, we were going through that, and it was so murky. Yeah. Like, intercoastal river and we were like oh, should we jump in should we see how deep it is yeah. <laughs> we were like oh my god how far is it like like should we go for a swim <laughs> we start to climb down the ladder we're like ah! and we jump in and it goes like to our knees <laughs> it's so shallow <laughs> it was so disappointing anyway welcome to episode 90 set eight set eight 98 98 98, 98. of 98. pulp kitchen um I'm a little overdressed today for those who can see us. We've just come from the London Film Festival premiere of Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. Very good fun. We will be reviewing that towards the actual film's release day Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we're hopefully going to have some more exciting developments to share about that film. But um, as we said before, we're both big fans of the original Chicken Run. Yes, love Chicken Run. So we look forward to sharing our thoughts. But one thing we did do today um, in anticipation of this film was we were invited... Mm to a workshop by Ardman. Now, Ardman, of course, as we know, the people behind Chicken Run, and they kind of talked us through, and we had this kind of fun build-your-own-chicken workshop. I don't know. It's all made from plasticine clay and yeah, stuff. Predominantly. Yeah. Although he was very informative about... Yeah, yeah. He said, actually, you know, there's a lot more going under the, yeah. under the scenes. And blah, blah. Uh, it felt quite like we were being let, you know, like, 
led to like the secret workshop and mm. about how, how the kind of operation works. And you we, were given, we started out with like essentially all the colors of clay in yes. different quantities to make ginger. Yeah, it looked like a um, very, like we said, like a Heston Blumenthal <laughs> yeah, stripped back down to its yeah. bare essentials. Yeah. And then we built our own chickens. Well, I think mine's very much in transit. Oh, God. <laughs> For our, I'm sorry for our listeners who can't see this. Apologies but to any children, but this is the oh, head. dear. I mean, look, if you follow us on Instagram at Pop Kitchen you would have Podcast, seen these you would have seen... Uh, oh, God. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Oh, no, mine's actually intact. Yours intact. Hold on, let me just reattach the arm and the head. Yours? Oh, my God, that's actually really that's like That's like the alternate ending of Chicken Run. How <laughs> Mrs. Tweedy <laughs> hopes it does. Got her head blown off running for the fence. <laughs> okay. So this is... People can see this. This is my ginger relatively intact um mine's not as intact oh i'm missing an eye Although, and oh, looks, children look away it's a bit like she's had a lot to drink anyway yeah it was is like when when chicken run three doesn't do well and ginger goes to therapy because I, <laughs> I said it looks like uh when they've they've massively like uh, outsourced production to uh, like a, a developing nation <laughs> yeah. of three people in a, in the back of like a converted shipping container. Yeah, like we, we, can, can, we can do it. We can, we can, <laughs> we can do plasticine. We need plasticine. Uh, Sirens on our end. Sirens on our end. Anyway, uh, yeah, always good fun to do those little things. And then you know, we, we the the guy who ran it was really lovely. He was the he was the chief model designer. Or chief, say chief like head, head of. He's very important in he's this been, film. He's been at Ardman for nearly 20 yeah, years. Yeah, he joined just after Chicken Run 1 came out. Um, and it was nice, just, we, we sort of threw a couple of questions to him at the end. We were asked, like, how much, how much material do you go through? Yeah. And I asked him, when you do those wide shots where there's, like, you know, 30-plus chickens, I was like, does that... Because it took us an hour to do it. And I asked him, how long yeah. does it take you to make a single model properly? And he said, you know, like, a week to a month. And I was like, well, surely to get a wide, that must just take yeah. so much, so much time. And if you're moving 20 at once, like that just must be such an ordeal. And he's like, yeah, you get yeah. it done. He blah, did blah. seem like a guy who had spent a lot of time like yes. leaning over Under a desk. like a lamp, Pixar lamp, yeah. like uh, with magnifying glasses looking over. Really and, sort of and nice. He, and he was humble. looking at us amateurs, just bastardizing yeah. his work. But what about mine? <laughs> if I do the eyes like this, yeah. I was just thinking I'm a craftsman. When I knew we were out of our depth, it was like, make the, make the eyeball, then make the iris, then like the black bit of the eye. And it's like, and if you want to, you can put in some white in the top right hand corner to catch the sort of key light reflection in the spherical. But I was like, this is just going to look like a white blob on yeah. my eye. This is where you've lost me. But really cool. Really good fun. Really cool. Always great fun. Still to stuff. under my nails. But yeah, stay, stay tuned for our review of Chicken Run Dawn of the Nugget, which will come in due course. But today, what we are going to be reviewing, as mentioned in our show last week, is Maestro, which is coming out in December. So we're a little early about it, but definitely a big awards contender for next year. Uh, Bradley Cooper's second uh, film he's directed. Mm-hmm. And starred in. He and starred in, yeah. The, the and, you know, it's a big, big, glossy biopic Oscar contender. So... Stay uh, tuned for it. Stay tuned for that. And then also... Check, it, Killers of the Flower Moon is now out. Go check out our review from mm-hmm. last week. We're also going to be doing a bonus episode this week that will come out later, come out on Friday, where James and I, James has now seen it. I've now seen it. We'll do a spoiler discussion about that. All right. So let's do Maestro. So as I just mentioned, it's Bradley Cooper's sophomore directorial effort five years after A Star Is Born, which we both thought was fine. Yeah. Solid fine. enough. A lot of people loved it. But Overhyped it, for me. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't mind A Star Is Born. I, uh, I, I was excited to go and see Maestro. I, you know, I, I like it when actors break out of 
the one strip lane of acting and are able to write and direct and flex their muscles in other ways. All mm. for it. I like Bradley Cooper as an actor. Very talented guy. Very talented actor, very sincere. I've always I've always kind of warmed to him on screen and uh, when in interviews, he's clearly very passionate, very articulate. And so we have a film about Leonard Bernstein, not Bernstein, as I've been saying for all my uh, whole life, fine. Bernstein, as the okay. film re- repeats uh, often. James, Leonard Bernstein, how much does that... Right. Very little. No, fair enough. Know the similarly. name, but not the story. Which so is- similarly, I, I knew very little about Leonard Bernstein other than that he was a bit, huge figure in music and classical music in America, predominantly in the second half of the, you know, the last century, be, you know, kind of becoming America's first great conductor, but he also was a composer as well. You know, he wrote the music for West Side Story and much else besides. A huge figure in, in American culture. And um, it, I, think, I think a film about Bernstein has been kind of in the works for a long time. And what you finally have is this film made by Bradley Cooper, but produced, not executive produced, but produced by Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg, amongst other people, which is pretty... Those pretty two big, big names. Two big names have stamped onto your... Um, Onto your film, and what I noticed as well is in the end credits, when after it's gone written and directed by Bradley Cooper, the next credits you get are produced by Martin Scorsese on its own, produced by Bradley Cooper on its own, produced by Steven Spielberg on its own. It's like mm. top billing because yeah. the name attached. Anyway, Leonard Bernstein, a a very talented musician who began his career as a conductor, gets a big break in his early twenties. We're talking about the nineteen oh god, I think it's about nineteen fifties at this point, right? Um, and, um, and it's this sort of virtuoso conductor and also composer at the same time. There is this tension in his life between the two. He wants to, yes, he recognizes being conductor, but he also wants to create music. And the film kind of follows his life. It follows the fact that he was, um, by all accounts and by other people's you know, commentary, and if you read around the, the film and his life, he was a gay man who was married to a woman. Uh, he, it's about his relationship and his marriage to Felicity Montalegre, who was an actress played in this by um, Carey Mulligan. Good and everything. Yeah, Carey Mulligan, good and everything. And um, the film charts sort of his, uh, you know, his, his tension between his married life and also his sexuality outside of that. Uh, his his tension between being a conductor and a composer, as I mentioned, his tension between being a Jewish uh, person in a you know very white waspish country, and trying to cement himself in his place in American culture. So that's the kind of uh, of setup for it. Now I, like I said, was really excited to go to go see Maestro, and also because as someone who doesn't know a lot about Bernstein at all, perfect. I was. I thought I was like perfect audience. Yeah. I know enough to know who he was, mm. enough to know who who he is. That I want to go in and uh, uh, take that in. So, um, what's very clear in this very, and also you'll see from the pictures in the production of, of Maestro that it's incredibly luscious and sort of heavy, heavily dressed um, uh, Oscar contender. You know, it's a mm. big, big. Bi- it's a biopic with a capital B. And I kind of run my fingers together, think, great, I, I want to see this figure. And and Bradley Cooper, it is clear has such awe and admiration for Bernstein as a character. Like he really, I, I can, when you, when you watch the character of Bernstein through the camera with which Bradley Cooper is shooting, it is like, it's so clear that he has that much admiration for him. I have to say though, I'm, I, I'm very sorry of this. I was really quite disappointed with Maestro. Mm. Um, and it gives me no pleasure to say that for all the reasons I said, I, I want to see Brandon Cooper develop as a filmmaker. Sirens on our end. Sirens on our end. I want to see an interesting film about Leonard Bernstein. 
and it really, really didn't come alive for me at all. Mm. Um, let's just talk about I, Like I said, I, I think it's clear that Bradley Cooper is really passionate about Bernstein, but I felt that he could never quite separate the wood through the trees. I think that he was so in awe of this, of this figure that he could never translate that awe into cinematic delight, cinematic story. You know, I mentioned um, when I did the Killers of the Flower Moon trailer that you're immediately in the presence of a craftsman like Scorsese who knows how to like synthesize performance, dialogue, sound, vision into a compelling story straight away. And with Maestro, there's like individual elements that are very interesting. This idea of him being, you know, his, his personal life, his professional life. But it never ever came together in a way that I thought was interesting. And I've been thinking all week about why, why it didn't lift off for me. It was, was it personal? Was it just not my kind of film? And the thing is, I really don't think there's a compelling story in the film. The film try, tells you in every scene that it's important. But the longer... And actually, I must say, it was only about half an hour in before, before I realised that this... Oh, God, this isn't, this isn't lifting for me at all. And I've got right. another hour and a half to go. There is, I don't know if there's a compelling story in this film. And I'm not sure. It made me, I came out of it thinking, was Bernstein that interesting? So it's like an, an amazing person yes. about which in this instance, the story hasn't quite come off the off well, That's the, the thing. And, it's, and, and I was really puzzled by it. And it got me thinking about one thing, which is when I saw A Star Is Born, I remember that in, in interviews, Bradley Cooper was talking very deeply and very like knowledgeably about the backstory of all of his characters, like between the backstory between Bradley Cooper's character and, and, and their older brother played by Sam Elliott in A Star Is Born. Right, yeah. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, that sounds really interesting. And then I remember going to see A Star Is Born and none of that was in there. None of that was in there. Right. And I, I couldn't help but the feeling when I was watching Maestro was like, I think you've left a lot of the best bits out, mm. Bradley Cooper. I think you've left a lot of the interesting bits out because... I, is it um, written by Bradley Cooper? It's, it's co-written by Bradley Cooper. So, so it's co-written by, produced by, directed by, and starring by. It's one of those vehicles. Uh, and I, and yeah. I'll get on to why that doesn't... That's another issue for me as well. Um, so why else doesn't it work? I think first thing, one, the first thing why I don't think it works is, is, is that thing about story. I don't think it's got a dramatic kind of punch behind it. It, really doesn't, it really just doesn't come together. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have a good enough gripping story to bring together all those elements in an interesting way. Mm. The second thing is, I think aesthetically as a whole approach, I found it just so grand and so over the top and without a dramatic tension to kind of weigh that down, I found the whole thing... The, wor the word I'd used is, is overdressed. The whole yeah. thing felt very grand. And I found that quite off-putting because it made all the performances seem really mannered and stilted and over the top. And there's, you know, there's a, there's a particular like argument scene between uh, Kerry Mulligan and Bradley Cooper, which I felt was like, it, this is acting with a big A. This yeah. is, here it is. And his favorite scene. Of the well, film. exactly. And I, I came out of it thinking, I can't even say like the performances, the performances aren't bad at all. They're, they're very committed performances, don't get me wrong. But it's like, I was never moved by those performances because I felt they were so arch. The whole presentation of the film is so arch that mm. I never felt I could connect to them. There's also this slightly deeper uncomfortable thing i have which is that the the whole way the film the film is shot feels quite out of date in the kind of oscar vehicle it is and what, what i mean by that is like the way that bradley cooper shoots himself playing this very significant figure in like tight close-up in big deep prosthetics mm. you know being all actory and i can feel like 
the lens, the camera frame being like, oh, look at this acting. Look at this yeah. figure. Look at this. The transformation. And it's a little bit like and? egotistical. Yeah, and it's yeah. a little bit like, okay, I would, I would really have liked him to step back and like just bring down the scale, all this grandness. There's like a bit at the beginning where um, Leonard Bernstein gets a very significant call in his career. To, he has to step in for someone being a conductor. And he get, after he's, he's got the call, which is shot in this very minimal frame and like and lighting he then like bursts through the door and he's like yeah 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 and then it like cuts like a cgi rendering of of carnegie hall right and and i, I thought what it, it just felt really imbalanced and I, that's the other thing I, I i felt with with him trying all these different devices it became clear to me or i i felt that bradley cooper is is still figuring out how to be a filmmaker which is absolutely fine you've got to learn by doing mm. but there's that slight thing of like you're in your film school phase. You just happen With to have a massive budget, budget and talent. Should and... should you shouldn't maybe come back to me when you've made it? I I believe that Bradley Cooper will make to a go really to good Paris film. And be a sous chef for a year and sort of yeah. Market. I hate to say it because you know some directors like Jordan Peele was able to hit the ground running and yeah. like naturally was was very. But but this and look, I I, I recognise I sound very kind of. Um, uh, negative and a little bit just uh, down on it. And I think I, expectations are high. Like I've not seen it, but my expectations well, are sort of up there in that category of nomination. Every person I've spoken to about this, I always say this one thing to help back my point. At the London Film Festival, at the end of, and this, uh, this is the press and industry screenings, at the end of most press and industry screenings, actually every press and industry screening I've ever been to, there's always applause. Mine too, a yeah. respectful applause, just like that. There was nothing at the end of Maestro. That is quite telling. And I think as a temperature check of the room, and I think, again, it's not that people, like, hated the film. I don't hate the film. Yeah. Nothing, nothing about... But it's I, maybe someone, people are coming out of it slightly conflicted, conflicted in I, a way. They I don't think know they love it. I think it's generally, like, a bit of bewilderment. And th that's why I realised halfway into this film, I think it looks great. You've got great performers, but it is completely dull and dead and devoid of, like, any kind of spark for me, which is... Oh, I hate, I hate saying that about film. It's one of the worst things you can say is that yeah. it, it, even if it didn't insult you, is that it never interested you in the first place. And part of me is like, I kind of wish Bradley Cooper just directed this or or just directed and written this, not starred in it, or, mm. or he just starred in it. I think there's just something, I need, needed another creative voice in there to come in and shift it around. I, but, but genuinely, I came out and I was thinking, where's the, where's the real drama there if they kind of flirt with different ideas like it's the conductor composer then it's his, his personal life then it kind of settles about being about the marriage between him and and, and um fisting on like the carrie mulligan's character yeah. okay fine that 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 is a, a relatively inter relatively interesting story but if that is your story i'm sorry but i've seen that done better fossey verdon was a really good tv series about um bob fossey the director and gwen verdon the dancer their creative collaboration and their marriage and i got so much more out of that than i did with this i felt like cooper was just being like oh i felt like he thought it was enough to put a great man on screen mm. he almost didn't want to um lower himself by having to justify bernstein's presence on screen i also have this thing i think that the this is just the theory i wonder if having the presence of scorsese and spielberg producing your film put an undue pressure on cooper to try and deliver something because sometimes when i watched the film i was like i think this would be better if it actually just tried to be a traditional straightforward biopic mm. but sometimes it tries to be really bold and different and i think you you aren't 
I don't think you're an interesting filmmaker enough or have got enough to, to run with to pull that off. But I feel like because Scorsese and Spielberg are producing this, you want to, you don't want to produce a kind of Half-half, standard. Yeah. Aim big. Yeah, you don't want you don't want to just yeah you want to aim big and you don't want to produce a standard biopic. Mm. And I think that kind of falls down in the middle. I really wish he, I could just grab Bradley Cooper and say, just tell me the story straight. Give me all the forget all the the, the trappings. And also, sorry, one last thing that's quite ironic is that the film has kind of, in a way, if you stripped all of that away and said, no, but it's about it's about uh, uh, you know a flawed. What, is he flawed? Uh, not really. Uh, you know, a, a highly successful figure with a kind of dramatic personal life. And I said, you know, the problem is, the film has weirdly been superseded by Tar. Yeah. Tar is about a fictional conductor, but I learned more references about- References to real people. And references Bernstein. Bernstein, yeah. I've learned more about conducting and the <laughs> yeah. price of, uh, of being of, of a tyrant and being at the height of your game. And having a tr- high, highest form of your art. And having a troubled background whilst also being a very bold- film in terms of filmmaking and creatively getting to lean into that sort of like darren aronofsky black swan type creative flair yeah you get to like express yourself outside of the, the realms of what actually happened yeah and so bizarrely tar offers you more in that realm than the maestro does mm. there are a couple of moments that i quite liked interesting bits we don't see the, the thing is that we don't see him conduct that much they almost save it up for one scene where they do a big bit of conducting but i was so detached in the film by that point it was, the, it was the kind of film, like I said, when it ended, no one clapped and a lot of people got up straight away to go. Anyway, I'm, I recognize, I'm holding my hands, that I'm saying this where, you know, it's not out yet. I, I, I look forward to hearing everyone else's opinion. I don't want to be, I, I don't think it's a terrible film. I just think it's just not that interesting. And, I, and I, that is really sad. You know, I do, interesting to hear you say that, I do still really... I, I say looking forward to see it. I'm still really curious myself to go and see it and I will as soon as I get a chance. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the sort of actor, director, uh, you know, someone taking on both of those roles is always in some ways impressive, but like it's very daunting. And I think Bradley Cooper's one of those actors that's had the chance to work and consult with some of the best directors yeah. working now slash of all time. And I think I wonder... <laughs> yeah, I wonder if you like that factor of like being lost in it and trying to create something bigger than what you should... Yeah, um, I feel like you need to, especially when you're sort of dealing with rubbing shoulders with Scorsese and Spielberg, that you feel the need to produce something better than it is. You're not being tr- you're not being true. Runtime, only just over two hours. Yeah. Um, I Bradley Cooper's also an actor. I think I still really look out for. I'm always interested to see what he's doing next, outside of like the odd Harry David Russell thing. I, but what I was also thinking of is about um, it's like. The, in a way, the film kind of made me reject this idea of this kind of film being an Oscar contender anymore. When I was watching, I felt like this whole approach, this whole th- idea that this is what wins an Oscar now, mm. big biopic about a big figure with big prosthetics, big performances, felt very, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. Even longer. It felt very passe, and I feel like we've gone past that now. It's quite embarrassing when you can tell they're going for it, but they just don't hit that. Well, that's the thing. The fact that people are writing about it and talking about it, like I just did when I intro- yeah. introed it, as being a contender for the Oscars this year, is kind of... Where does that come from? Where does that come is from? the talent and the... Yeah. It's the association. The aesthetic. With the, the, this, yeah, this type of film, this type of story, this type of performance, this type of subject matter gets... An Oscar. I remember seeing the trailer for Blonde and I was like, oh yeah, it's going for it. It's well, that's exactly time. it. Yeah. Yeah. This is nowhere near like, like Blonde. No, no, no. no but I just, I just think it's a little bit of a misfire, really. But if anyone has seen it ahead of the schedule, if anyone else at the film festival saw it and can let me know in a non-spoiler way, but we'll also repost this review a few weeks before yeah. it comes out for the rest of us. So yeah, if you've seen it, 
send us in your thoughts to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. And you'll see it. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go and and see I, it. I really want to get I want to get a temperature check. I, I, I'd love it. I would generally like it yeah. if you came to me and said, oh, no, no, I really thought it was great. Yeah. But I will say that what I like about the London Film Festival is that I think that seeing a film that early in the morning is kind of the Shop, best time. Yeah, your, your, your kind of reception of a film mm. is very, very accurate. And I heard some other people saying that as well. You know, funnily enough, it's like the whole idea of a, an actor directing themselves and giving themselves what they want to do and expressing themselves in the way that they want to do it with infinite budgets. Like, yeah. I know you haven't seen it yet, but when I saw Hitman, which I know isn't directed by Glenn Powell, but he's co-wrote yeah. the film and had a very heavy hand in it. Him doing so many different things and it didn't feel like indulgent. Yeah. It felt like, yes, this is Glenn Powell yeah. getting to really flex, his, flex himself off and show his powers. I, 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 I'm not to labor the point, but I came out of it and I was like, I don't feel like I know who Bernstein was any better than I did when I went in. Yeah, that's a shame. Like, shall I read a Wikipedia page? Anyway. Anyway, let's move on. George, should we look at some emails? Let's do it. If you wanted to send an email to the show, you can do by writing in your th- questions, your thoughts, your concerns to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com, which we love to receive, just like Tyler did. Tyler writes into the show with a different email about Killers of the Flower Moon, which we read out in our bonus. Tyler, mm-hmm. thank you for sending that in. But he asks us, seeing as it is October, I was wondering, what are your favorite Halloween films that are not best, but favorite? George? Okay. So... I am gonna take. I'm gonna do a very like politician answer and take that and make my own question out of mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So, by Halloween films, do we mean horror films? I, I, I'm just gonna say what are my spooky autumnal October watches. Yes, go on. And some of them I can't claim to be my own, so I don't do that a lot. I'm not a big horror. F- I don't watch a lot of horror films, but my flatmate does. He loves them, and he yeah. like for years. Like so, in October in our flat, he will be he'll be getting through The Witch. Lots of Treehouse, Simpsons, Treehouse of Horror, oh, nice, yeah. which are really good. Um, Shining. Um, I'm actually very keen to watch Science of the Lambs this year. Not a, oh, yeah. not, not a horror film, but very autumnal. You know, like it begins yeah, to yeah. go like jogging through the woods. Like, just yeah. feels, and it's filmed in that kind of sepia tone, so I want to watch that. Um, I would... You know what? I'm just going to say... Uh, sorry. I mean, I've watched stuff with friends like... I would just use this opportunity to say... Just watch Barbarian. If you haven't seen Barbarian, yeah. there's a lot it's of people. A great, I, I, it's a cracker. So many people have written in saying because because they heard us talking about it yeah. last year, they went and watched it and had a great time. If you still haven't seen it yet, make that your your October watch. You know what? Scary film's great. That I don't think we talked about much on the show. The Babadook from 2014. Yeah, that's a that's really, really good, good, creepy, scary Australian film. Um, yeah, I watched the Talk Lighthouse. to me this year was quite Talk was, to me was, was quite really good. solid. Yeah. Um, I'm always a fan of It Follows, The Vivitch. It's just deeply yeah. unsettling. The hey, Lighthouse, oh, even the original woman, in, not the original, the the Daniel Radcliffe yeah, woman in black, that up, that atmospheric. Yeah, that's very good. autumnal, spooky, atmospheric. Yeah. I've watched that. For a Did bit. you ever watch the film 1408 with John Cusack and no. Samuel L. Jackson? <laughs> I remember that one. really scaring me. Wow. Um, when I watched it on TV. Seven is quite good also. It's not, again, it's not scary, but yeah. it's very sort of depressing. Wintry, noir yeah. city. Um, I really want to watch The Wailing because I've heard people recommending that. Oh, yeah, I've had um, a, so that's on my list. Yeah. Um, I've it comes at night to want to watch. Yeah. And yeah. then I feel an oldie that I've still not seen is The Descent, which I hear is good. Fans of horror say uh, they like Yeah, that. I've had a friend who's sort of mixed on that. Mixed I, on it, yeah. I'd like to see the original Amityville Horror. Oh, I've seen. Oh, maybe I've only seen a reboot. Yeah, you've only seen the remake. Seen I'm the talking reboot. the 1970s, but I'd like to. See, I haven't seen the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, I have, but like not. I'm talking sleepover, like while I'm running around yeah. doing stuff. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what the, the like the OG horror films. Are. I think I've ticked off like the main yeah. ones. Shining Exorcist. Shining. I could probably rewatch Texas the Shining actually. Yeah. You uh, what did you watch recently? You watched um, 
What a scary film. Yeah, it was... Um, Evil Dead? With Freddy Krueger. Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. Actually, that was about 18 months ago, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah. And that's not Uh, scary. That's just really silly. Well, guys, let us know what uh, spookies you're going to be watching this this spooky season. Uh, By the time this is out, it'll be close to Halloween. So let us know. We'd love to. And any recommendations you have would always be appreciated. This next email is from friend of the show, long friend of the show and long listener, Tarby, who says, Hi, gents. As always, you guys make my week better with every post. Sometimes Mm. I find myself saying, yeah, same, or, hmm, no, I disagree, out loud. (laughs) And then remember, I'm in fact not sitting with you guys. Tommy, that's amazing. So I was on YouTube and was suggested a video about Gene Kelly, one of my favorite actors, dancers of the golden era. I was really obsessed with him and would watch any film on TCM that had him in it. Guys, Gene Kelly, Singing in the Rain, just to clarify. I started watching musicals that didn't have a minute and I'm watching these 40s, 50s and Mm. 60s musicals started my love for the genre. Every few years, though, I always go back to Gene and one of my favourite films of his, which is uh, On the Town. My question is, what genre, time specific, would you say is a comfort one? Do you Mm. often rewatch 80s action films, 40s westerns, etc.? Two, if you had to recommend one film to best represent that genre, which film would you pick and why? Um... Keep up the great work. As always, I remain a huge fan. Hashtag bring back the food. This is my villain arc. I'll never stop. <laughs> Tarby, I love that. That's fantastic. Well, um, James, any any particular eras? I'd say like 90s action. I've like very... Like, action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, growing up, you know, I'd get like a DVD and my dad would put like True Lies on mm. or like oh, Die I've Hard True Lies. Oh, True Lies is good fun. I've not seen it in a really long time, but yeah. it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jamie Lee Curtis, Bill Paxton. Oh, wow. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is playing kind of like a much more traditional all-American, like stereotypical agent. But yeah. it's funny. It's like a it's like a it's a funny film with really good action. But it's you know it is nineties film. Yeah, it's a James Cameron film, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah. I would um, I would also like it's cozy. You could watch it at Christmas, but it's not a Christmas movie. A bit like how Die Hard, a big action film, is also quite cozy with the yeah. Christmas thing. I know um, it's, Die Hard's not nineties, but like it's yeah. Um, Speed. I also think quite comfortable. Yeah, Lethal yeah. Weapon. The Matrix. Matrix uh, One. I don't know if I put that as a comfort film though. Oh, for me, I, th- I find it comforting. Really, uh, yeah. Uh, I would say that kind of similarly, '90s like rom coms. Even though I haven't actually seen that sure. many, but I mentioned that point that a few years ago, not a few years ago, a few months ago, I wa- I rewatched as good as it gets, which is as a film I thought was okay, but it is filmed in the '90s oh, and it has that honeydew, yeah, autumnal warm glow everything that, like, hadn't been renovated yet have, you know what I mean? you know? yes yeah. yeah and the, the coffee cups are all kind of like colorful and like yeah and it just i i, I honestly wish it was design. like an open world game that i could just explore i just, I just yeah. want to bathe in it it's so good mm. um yeah that kind of era is good similarly i do i do really i like a bit of 80s nostalgia i do kind of sure, enjoy yeah. that if it's anything from the thing to aliens or like war games or just i like war games war Some, games is good yeah just something that's so obviously filmed in the past but mm. is like still a fairly competent film i really big, enjoy big like a real big, sense of yeah. nostalgia to it i really like that yeah also like a good comfort film that i have is probably like the truman show which i've seen because i don't know yes, why there's something yeah. so endlessly rewatchable about it really that. is yeah there's nostalgic because it's in the 90s it also is, it has that kind of high high fiction world yes um i'm actually due for a rewatch of that uh, there's a couple of big films that I'm due a rewatch of, like Shawshank. And I'd love to do, watch Show. Truman and like I want to really study the whole like mani- overly manicured design of that film because mm. it's all it's all manufactured and processed and presented intentionally. Yeah, 
but it's also a film, which is always like, it's like a, a frame you, of a frame. Do you think there's really like a, a deeper layer to it now that works about like influencer culture and yeah. like hyper-veneer hyper social media kind mm. of attitudes? Like advertising being slotted into everything. Like you think you're watching I've content, tried other Cocos, but really. These yeah. ones are the best. Like, what? Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? Oh. Uh, this next one is for Michael. Sorry, I just love that. I'm just thinking about the bit where he like, he meets the girl in the library and she's like, we have to go now. Otherwise they won't yeah you know, like, what do you mean yeah fiji what do you mean fiji they just go around and around yeah. every single time <laughs> anyway uh this next one is from michael he's uh, a friend of the show he says hi guys uh, hi gents hope you're both well thought i'd throw a couple of suggestions in response to your saddest movie moments question we yes. asked last week uh, for me there are two positive uh, what, what were we talking about that all of us sad? strangers that was it for me there are two positively crippling moments that spring to mind aside from the obvious death of mufasa bambi's mother green mile etc etc that usually populate lists of the saddest movie moments tread the spoilers lightly in this one because i will firstly still a fairly obvious one but the when she loved me from toy story 2 is just oh, gut-wrenching yeah i was there to comfort her yeah yeah the older i get the lower my threshold is as well to what makes you a bit be a bit weepy right okay yeah yeah it's easier yeah, yeah. i think because it's like we've we've left something we've more like to have left something behind it's as you Forgotten. get older you also have more emotional complexity yes because you've experienced more of life you felt more different emotions you're like a stone that's being more side you've had to leave just... something of yourself behind by the time you get older jesus christ James. moving on anyway. uh, it's always gut-wrenching i always remembered my parents saying how heartbreaking it was when my brother and i used to watch it as kids and wondering it why it affected them so deeply but as you grow up you realize exactly why and somehow pixar get you to feel bad for those inanimate objects that you just stopped picking up one day as you grew up mm. a master stroke yeah like one day you put your toy down for the yeah. last time yeah. A masterstroke from Pixar, and in all honesty, you could list a handful of moments from Toy Story that could quite easily make this sort of list. Andy brackets spoilers for Toy Story three, which I feel like we're yeah. to do. Andy giving the toys away at the end of the third and the furnace scene, etc. Oh yeah. Uh, but for but some, the, Andy giving the toys away is a, is a nice it's, moment. Yes, it's like it's not, what, it's not sad, it's it's nice, but it's, it's emotional. A, it's a sad goodbye, a happy goodbye. Uh, but for some reason, the one terribly <laughs> sad moment from a film that was that has always struck with me and still floors me more than any other is from Saving Private Ryan. But wait, it isn't Ryan visiting Miller's grave at the end. When oh. Wade, the medic, played by Giovanni Ribisi, gives a monologue during the discussion, they're all about, to, uh, all about the best way to fall asleep, where mm. he describes his time as a child, trying to stay awake in order to see his mother, a nurse, when she came home from her shift, saying that sometimes, even though he was actually awake, he would pretend to be asleep anyway, but doesn't know why he did it. I think partly, I think partly it gets me because in a weird way, I sort of get it. Those weird things you do as kids, thinking you'll be young forever, not realizing how precious time is. It is made all the more poignant when Wade is shot in combat and as he lays dying going into shock his it's his last act is to call out for his mum. Oh, but after yeah. all that missed time he'll never see her again man it just cuts me up every time i'm going to stop before i start openly weeping over my laptop would apologize for putting a damper on the pod but you asked for it going to have a go and watch paddington to cheer myself yeah. up all the best hope you boys have a great week michael yeah but paddington comes at an emotional cost yeah absolutely also the thing i, I love i love that email i Very love nice. when people share why ex specific yes. films and specific moments written very nice have, have well. meant a lot to you that scene is i never thought about that yeah that, i remember watching i rewatched it recently and i remember that that scene when he's talking about trying to fall asleep but the scene in um saving private ryan that actually i always i think is so beautiful and i find it so moving is is actually the when um you've had the you've had the opening battle you've had the omaha beach opening battle and you know one of the ryan brothers has died and you have the whole telegram bit people writing the notes passing it forward and then it cuts to Ryan's mother 
washing up the dishes on the farmstead, you know, out in the Midwest. And she, you just see the reflection of the car driving up to the house in the window and she looks at it, she looks down yeah. and then she looks back up and she just knows immediately. And there's no dialogue, it's just the music. And she sort of puts the washing down. The camera follows her, she walks up, she opens the door to the, to the porch. She sort of staggers out on the porch and she sees it's a military car first a general gets out mm. and then a priest and that's when she falls down mm. on the porch and then the pri- the priest and the colonel sit down with her on the porch and that is it and it is so good i've got goosebumps talking about it now it's like oh it's so moving mm. um also we were recently asked oh well, it could have been a while ago now but like the worst deaths of movies or the worst right, like face yeah. private mellish in that with the knife yeah, yeah, um, yeah. that's that's probably my least I've that's not seen horrible. Saving Private Ryan you know the bit I'm talking about yeah yeah I do yeah. know it but like realising how my memory of this film I, I didn't do a rewatch I've only seen it once and it would have been oh wow, wow. 2009 2010 when I was a kid I would just take the DVD down and just watch the yeah. scenes over and over again because yeah. it's so oh god yeah anyway this next email <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry just a, a scene that Tom Hanks also getting a lot of love Toy Story Saving Private <laughs> Ryan uh, the, the final scene in Captain Phillips oh brilliant when he oh, brilliant. finally gets rescued and is 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 in shock mm. and he doesn't know where he's been hit and the medical professional who is a real medical professional is trying to assess him yeah. and he's just completely this this grown man like beside himself yeah like, uh, i know weeping it's, it's not my blood yeah no not my blood oh it's brilliant brilliant oh, fantastic right sorry the next email is from josh who says hi james and george it's josh from australia How's it going? It's good, Josh. <laughs> I waved down to the floor. <laughs> I hope you're well, and I'm loving the pod. Thank so I just wanted to say thank you for all the hard work you guys put in each week. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. That means a lot. Just wanted to, uh, to give you my thoughts on The Creator as mm. I watched it recently. Do you think you'll see it, by the way? I don't know if I'm going to have time to catch it in cinema. Yeah. Which is a shame. Shame. But I will watch it. So, but I have to say, though, the more people I've spoken to about it, the less... Key, the less... Do you think you get it for what fast. it is? I think I've got the gist. Yeah. And like, everyone I've spoken to has been like, yeah. Yeah. Are you yeah. this good? Are you this good. Yeah. yeah. Just wanted to give you my thoughts on that. The creator, but it was an it was a sci-fi world that, as James said in his review, felt original, but it was easy to see where the ideas were borrowed from. Mm-hmm. Overall, I really enjoyed it. My first my first question is: What is your opinion on movies that don't fully resolve at the end? Uh, just quickly on 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 the creator before we move on. Um, yes, like the, the world the world is one of my favorite parts of that film. And while that film doesn't need a sequel, its, its mm. story does sort of finish for those personal characters. If someone later down the line was like, this is a story from the world of the creator, I'd mm. think, oh, cool. Yeah, fine. Okay. My second question is about watching movies for the second time. Mm-hmm. I've been watching Inception again. I think, can I just say, that's a very interesting way of phrasing that. And that implies that you've not watched it in one sitting. I've been watching Inception again. Like you've been watching a show. I've, I, it's not, I watched Inception again. <laughs> I've been again. watching Friends again. Yeah, I've been, oh, I've been watching Inception again. Like you might just be the way he... Sure. Yeah. I've been watching Inception again and I'm loving it. So I wanted to ask, what's your opinion on movies that you need to see more than once to understand? Mm. I, I felt this for Inception where watching it again makes so much more sense to me now that I am more about, now I know more about who they are and what they are doing. However, I have heard from my, some of my friends that movies have been so confusing on the first watch that they have not wanted to watch it again. Tenet, what's your opinion on these kind of movies? Sorry for the long email. Keep up the good work. P.S. I remember someone writing in, can't remember the name, about how The Prestige was a bit of a disappointment and I totally agree. Ooh. Thanks, Josh. Josh, you're, you're wrong about The Prestige. But anyway, um, about... Yeah, There's a difference times. between like watching something again so that you can understand it versus appreciate it. Yeah. That's, that's why I think... You said understand is, it. So I think like... 
when they're like, oh, I don't want to watch Tenet again. Like, I'm, I'm, I agree with that because I think Tenet's flawed. I don't think I it... saw it again. It's still confusing. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's the same, um, like, seeing Oppenheimer again. I'm like, I had better clarity on my thoughts on it, but it didn't mean that two and a half hours into the film, I was able to still keep up with the conversations that happened two hours yeah. before. Yeah. I really was, I really was like, I know where this is going and I know where we were. I'm really trying to get catch every name and every detail, but it's still, it's still hard to... to exactly. And the same way that Inception... Like, the first time I saw Inception, I was like, yeah, I get it. I, lots of people are like, whoa, and what? I don't think I get it. I was like, no, I, no, I got it. But every mm. time I've seen it since, you appreciate it more. I, as we said, mm. I think we said this before, on the whole, every Christopher Nolan film gets better yeah. with the rewatch. Memento even. Yeah, so, all so, of so them. You need to experience it again to yeah. watch it through a new lens. Um, but I, but I, but as, as Nolan aside, I've always said that really the key, the, 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 the secret to whether a film is, or good or not, is good or not is in the second viewing. Sure. That's when you really, really. Apart from tell. the Dark Knight trilogy, they're not. They're not. They don't take the form of, of an inverted double helix that needs. To oh be yeah, seen they don't twice. need to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, they, that's that's yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. But, but in general, I, I whenever I watch a film for the second time, that is the make or break. I'll, I'll either go, yes, this is still giving me loads to work with, or yeah. I go, oh, that was fine. That was a one-time thing. I got what I needed out of the first viewing, and that's it. Yeah, and that's yeah. okay. Sure, but that's what separates good films from great films. Mm. Mm. Well, guys, thank you so much for sending yes. in your emails this week. Really appreciate hearing from you. If you want to send your email into the show, you can do by emailing, emailing into hello. <laughs> Power down. Power down. Hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. George, let's end the show with, with a game. A game. Sorry. No, no, that's, that, that's, that? later. that's at the next. That's when I intro the game. Section. Okay. I always cue Power you. Power George, I'm very excited for the big, fat Pop Kitchen 100 quiz. I can't wait to play games with our audience. Sorry to those who can't make it, of course. Like we said, it had to sell out very quickly. Don't worry, guys. Like I said, we've got big plans for the future. We're getting our heads together soon to plan that. We've got lots of ideas. It's going to be very fun. But in the meantime, George, this is just episode 98. And every episode of Pop Kitchen ends... With a game. With a game. George, I have two guess seven in 30 miscellaneous. You've never thought of it, but you're going to have to think of it. Okay. Yeah? Right. George, for this first one, let me get my timer. Never have the timer. I always get my calculator out. My brain is broken. Yeah. It's like when I go to click on maps, I always end up open find my friends. Yeah. Not not far. There is a map. Too close. So I bet you stare at it and you're like, I'm looking at a map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this isn't what I need. Okay, George, are you ready? Okay. This one is for both TV and film, right? Okay. okay. You have to name me seven businesses or corporations in TV and film. These are oh, fake companies God. in fiction. You have 30 seconds. 30 Your seconds. Your time starts now. Skynet. Yeah. Uh, Cyberdyne yes. Industries. Yes. Um, uh, I think it's Pierce and Pierce, which is in American Psycho. Which is yes. The, uh, um, Good Burger. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, uh, uh, Docs Auto Shop, is it? Docs, what's that in? Uh, what? I don't know. <laughs> a business, a company. <laughs> Uh, Facebook? Yeah, sure. And uh, I think I was going for fictional, but um, yeah, you know what would have been a really easy one? Is That's you, hard in 30 seconds. It's hard That's in 30 in... seconds. If you go Breaking Brad, you can get Los Poyos Hermanos, oh, yeah. Madrigal, yeah, uh, Oscorp, yeah. 
is a good one. Uh, like yeah. Wayne, Wayne Industries. Stark Industries. Stark Wayne Enterprises. Industry, Wayne Enter- yeah, you can go down comic book and, oh, get, and get there. Yeah. I'm quite happy with the ones I was able to get. Like, good, what the hell did <laughs> good that burger. Good burger. I remember the good burger, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. It's a weird one. You don't think about yeah, it, it's good but one, yeah. they are there. Fake businesses. Um, okay, George, are you ready? This next one. In 30 seconds, you have to name me seven films with talking animals. No animations allowed. You have 30 seconds. Your time starts now. Sorry, stop. No. No, no. They have to be live action with talking animals. What about, like, does The Lion King, the new one count? The re- 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 is, that, is that live action? You can action? have an animated animal talking in a live action film. Right, got it. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Um, uh, Dr. Doolittle. Yes. Um, What's the one with Kevin James? Zookeeper. Yes. Um, uh, would you count like the live action Lion King? No, I'm going to say no. It's okay. digital. digital um, a talking animal. A talking animal. Uh, Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile. You know? <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I believe um, you. <laughs> uh, talking. A homeward Bound. Yes. Those are the right lines. Five seconds. Uh, and time. <sighs> Uh, did very well. Babe is a big one there. Oh, oh. At Narnia, I would have accepted. You know what I mean? I'm like, the animal can be, anim- can be animated, but it can't, the whole film can't be an animation. Oh, so you right. can't say Shrek, okay, is what it. I mean. But why isn't the line? Because the whole thing is I think the whole CG thing rendered. is basically set, yeah, CG right, rendered. Okay. Uh, Cats and Dogs, which we mentioned recently, you could have done. Cats um, and Dogs. Yeah, or Ninja Turtles would have counted. Which one? Most of the, them. The... Not the all digital ones. So not the like, most recent one, basically. Yeah, like most of them technically, I, I think, Talking count. animal. Yeah. Yeah. Does Sirius Black talk when he's the dog? No. I don't know he anything doesn't. about Potter. <laughs> <I'm so laughs> not at all. Oh, uh, niche, oh I don't uh, know. Did the Museum, do the animals talk? I don't think so. I don't think they do. No. Yeah, very good. Yeah, well, there you go, guys. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. We really in- that we really appreciate you yeah, we really getting do. to this part of the episode and being like, I, I'm actually not just here for Maestro review. Yeah, I want to hear like about sad movies and George live action. Yeah, game. guys, so, thank you so much. Don't forget, we post new episodes of this show every, every single, single Wednesday. Wednesday. Sorry, I missed it a bit last week, guys. I was very busy, but thank you anyway. We really appreciate you guys listening. We like we ge- we genuinely do like. We can only get this far with your support and we really appreciate it. And just please make sure you are subscribed to everything we do. I'm talking YouTube. I'm talking Spotify. I'm talking Apple Podcasts. Whatever you're listening on, just, just do sure that your... thing that makes it so like yeah. the algorithm goes, yeah, we like these guys. It honestly makes yeah. such a huge difference for us. If you've just touched in for this episode, please subscribe. Please stay around. Yeah. Instagram, TikTok. Stuff coming. We post lots of stuff on there. Like, you know, like the stuff about the models with the, from Chicken Run. It's all happening. <laughs> yeah. It's all fun. Shenanigans. Absolutely continue to do that. We really appreciate it. And oh, oh, live action Scooby-Doo. Right, that would have been a good one. Oh, thank you. Yeah, sorry, no, that's that's <laughs> fine to me. And for our pub, for, for, um, and for our one hundredth episode, continue to send in your voice note yes. questions, Guys, please. We, we want really... to hear people sending in voice notes that we can play on the show. We would love to get as many of you as possible on that. So send us your voice notes. Thank you very much for joining us again. Look forward to joining you next week for more film discussion on Pulp Kitchen. It's been a long it's broadcast. The it's making me yeah, feel yeah, like a news anchor. Official. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, San Diego. We'll see you again next week. Bye, guys.